I think we all long for a sense of connection with the world, with other humans, community, and perhaps more than anything with ourselves and our source. What are the practices that open us to that connection, that push us beyond our tired old ways of being and enable us to be as open to this moment as we possibly can? When you, when you tell people about your vulnerabilities, they instantly like you. My guest today is Dr. Tom Elliott, and Tom is an endocrinologist. He works with people with diabetes. He's a dad, an Aussie, as you'll hear, an atheist, or at least he was last time we spoke. He's an amateur musician and my friend. I first met Tom when he showed up at worship at a Sunday morning service at the church where I'm the minister. And uh, I don't actually remember when I first meet a lot of people, but I remember Tom. And it's not so much because of his um, his stature. He's a bit of a tall guy. Um, and it's not even that he was an atheist coming to church. That happens more than you'd realize. I, I, I'd say the reason I remember you, Tom, is you are in the best sense, larger than life. You show up like a kid ready to um, participate with an eagerness and um, a zest for life. And I, I'd say that's uh, what stood out for me and why I'm just so thrilled to welcome you today. Um, I don't think there's anything like small talk in Tom's vocabulary. So it's uh, so good to welcome you uh, and to have you as a guest on my podcast. Thank you, Beth. It's, uh, it's exciting to be on. I, I don't know what the next uh, hour holds, but, but I look forward to it because you've been such a positive force in my life. In fact, part of the friendly universe. Mm. All right. Well, we will be talking about the friendly universe um, as we go on. I, I like to start by asking people, and this is, you know, dichotomies don't usually cover everything, but I, I like to just start with, if you were to think of like, spiritual and religious as a spectrum, um, where would you be on that line? Where, where do you identify? Do those words even resonate with you? <laughs> um, well, I don't believe in a higher power. So that kind of rules out the general God concept. But I believe in the soul um, or the spirit. I think the spirit is another way of uh, translating soul. Um, I do believe in that. Um, so let's leave it to your listeners to find, to figure out where I, where I lie in the spectrum. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, cause I know that you grew up, um, in Australia. I think your mom was, um, a, a devout Anglican. Um, and so I know there was some church in your background. Um, but I, as a scientist, um, you've, you've grown in different directions and I, so, um, would would love to hear um, as we go through just um, some stories about how you got to be uh, where you are with, uh, with belief and disbelief. Okay, so, so, so my mum was the daughter of a Church of England parson, minister, who, uh, who served in the army and, and she moved around, probably like you and your family have moved around, Beth. Hmm. Um, my dad was a more of a stock standard practical Christian, and together they they became quite evangelical, um, and that's the 
the background in which I grew up, um, initially standard Anglican, somewhat high church. You know, I remember incense burning. I loved the hymns. Um, I remember getting confirmed at the age of 12 or 13. Um, my, I'm the middle of five, but my brother immediately above me, John, from about the age of 10 said, I'm not going to church. We used to go to church every Sunday morning, 8.30. And um, he said, I'm not going. And um, anyway, went through, you know, high school. Oh, oh in, in, um, at the age of 16, I, my girlfriend was called Kim. And Kim went to a uniting church and they had hymns, uh, they had a band and they played rock and, uh, and they embraced um, the, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues was a big thing. Um, I remember getting swept along. Uh, I went to a religious revival where the God squad was playing and I went up to the, you know, and up to the front and, and, and made public my, you know, my embracing of, you know, of the Holy Spirit. And there for a couple of years, I'd say from the age of 16 to 17, um, you know, Kim and I didn't even have sex, you know. So, you know, for a teenager to give it up and not even miss it, something was going on there. Um, and then university struck, and and with it Charles Darwin and um, you know the opportunity for a party every night. Um, I went to a Church of England, an Anglican men's college. The the warden of which was Bishop John Carnley, who later became the primate of Australia for the Anglican Church. And, and, and my dad always said that, you know, Archbishop Carnley's not a Christian. So, so he was my first exposure to a high church person who, who kind of had what I would call a practical belief. And, and, you know, I used to go to chapel. I went to chapel once a month. I was there for three years. And after chapel, he would he would serve port and coffee. Well, actually, sorry, port after after high dinner, but after church, Irish whiskey, Irish coffee. So whiskey plus coffee. My brother John introduced me to um, Richard Dawkins, who of course is the is an evangelical atheist, and I then became much more comfortable with, with not believing in God and, and believing in, in, the, in the, the world as I see it, the universe um, not being a creation of God, but, you know, a creation of the Big Bang. Mm. You know, what, what caused the Big Bang and all that, we could, we, hopefully we're not going to get into that today. <laughs> Probably but, not. Okay, well, so... And, yeah, please. Well, I'm curious, you know, that you named the um, the uh, Irish coffee, the, uh, the whiskey. And the, it, it seems to me so much of what's important in that 
spiritual realm is around food. And I, it comes to mind for me, one of um, my favorite memories with you is for a number of years back before COVID, when people could gather and touch one another and not wear masks, you would host dinner parties with the table just lavished in food, whether it was that you'd gone out in front of your home and um, gone fishing that day, brought in some crab, uh, you'd have friends in the kitchen uh, preparing the meal, there'd be music. And and the most spectacular thing is that you'd always gather around your table, like people that just didn't match, right? Like just people that you sort of picked up from all over the place. And I, I'm, I'm curious about, uh, you know, what was that about for you? What, what is it in bringing people together um, that's meaningful for you? And what do you get out of that? Part of my spiritual listeners, I don't know if, if Minister Beth's going to get into what happened to me at Canadian Memorial, but I'm going to get into it now. Yeah, go for it. I attended a session led by, who was it, Beth, who led the spiritual, uh, spiritual discover your spiritual strengths? I think I led that. Was I memorable in it? Uh, no, it was somebody else with tall, gray hair, short gray hair. Anyway. Oh, well. Anyway, the session was, and, and you know, discover your spiritual strengths, well, I, for some reason, I signed up for it, and and I told you how wonderful it was, mm-hmm. and then you invited me to do a a, um, a testimonial yep. on my spiritual journey or something like that, and that was wonderful for a number of reasons. One of them was that it made me think about it and document it, mm-hmm. and and this is your in, in answer to your question about my. Um, the dinners at my place, we, we, we call them log house Fridays. I live in a log house and we always had them Friday night because it left the rest of the weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went, to, my life was in chaos after the ending of the, 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 this is my second marriage. And, and I ended up going to a counselor called Dwayne O'Kane. Uh, he and his wife, Catherine run clearmind.com. And, um, Dwayne became my guru and he taught me many things. Uh, and, and the most important thing he taught me was the power of, of connection where vulnerable connection, the power of vulnerable connection. It, when, you, when you tell people about your vulnerabilities, they instantly like you. And, and I've kind of, I, I, can't, I never, no one ever told me that, but I kind of, realized it because I am that kind of person. And, and so I realized that connection was everything mm. and that, all, that, that, you know, the wounds of, of childhood of that, 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 that make us think and do crazy things that, that afterwards we can't believe ever happened. They are healed. I I've discovered in vulnerable connection. So um, at clear mind, they, um, I was in my, I was engaged for a third time to um, a beautiful woman called Shauna uh, at Clearmind. And we went to a relationship um, getaway and they taught us an exercise of, 
of daily connection where each person in, in, the, in the intimate relationship, so Shana and I would have 10 minutes every day to speak uninterrupted while the other listened. The other did not interrupt, nor at the end of the 10 minutes did they ask any questions. And they were allowed to, to question and comment, but only 24 hours later. So it left, it left a, a kind of a, a wonderful opportunity to say difficult things. And um, so when... Um, during my, during my awakening, my spiritual awakening, um, not only did I go to the Canadian Memorial Church, I met my third wife, Veronica, mm -hmm. who is a very wise and spiritually awakened person. Um, and early in our relationship, where I'd, I'd learned all these new relationship rules, and you were trying to impress her, right? <laughs> and I said, you know, let's, um, you know, I think you're beautiful and I, and I think I love you. And for all these reasons, um, and to ensure that our relationship stays healthy, would you be willing to do a daily connection, observing those rules? Mm. And she said, yes, I got goosebumps as I tell you about it. <laughs> so... Veronica and I have ever since we're we're at our sixth. It'll be six years on May the first, and we do it every day. Um, so the the idea of vulnerable connection uninterrupted. Then, for, oh, oh, the other part of my spiritual awakening wasn't spiritual at all. It was music. I took up um, I took up piano instead of you know doing whatever else a single man might do, <laughs> go to bars, look at porn, all the usual stuff. I took up piano and I discovered enormous joy in it. And this is, this is how it happened, Beth. I thought to myself all of a sudden, you know, every musician must have the same feeling that I have, like incredible joy. So I thought, you know, I'm going to, who are all the musicians I know, and I'm going to, it was, a, it was a Thursday night, it was a Thursday, Wednesday night, on Thursday I invited them to a party the next day, and amongst them, Brother John, who's the atheist, um, always had this thing at, dinner, at, at dinners, mm -hmm. that, that, that we'd do a best thing, you'd go around the table and everybody, without exception, was expected to announce the best thing that day, or that weekend, mm -hmm. you know, mum growing up, we, we always said prayers and it was, sorry, God, thank you, God. So, so thank you, God was, that was my brother's, my, yep. my, my atheist brother's version of thank you, God. Mm -hmm. He also used to do worse things, best things and worse things, um, which was sorry, God, in the atheist term. And he discovered that nobody ever wanted to talk about them. So he just did best things. And, and it's just the most wonderful way to get people talking who wouldn't talk. So I decided we're gonna go a step further. We're going to have, a, you know, I have my cell phone, I'd set it for two minutes. And I said, you know, we're gonna go around the table and everybody has the opportunity to check in, tell them what's going on inside. 
and the rules, no interruptions, no questions. And so that how it's, that's how it happened, Beth. I, I know I went on too long. No, it's just like, um, you know, it's so this, there's this buzzword of spiritual practices. Um, and, and I hear people trying to figure out what am I going to do? That's a, a spiritual practice. That's worthy of my time. That's going to transform my heart. And, and what I hear you saying is this, uh, vulnerable connection is just showing up in, in places where it's not forced, where it's very little effort, if you will, on your part, but it's, it sounds like it's, like an orientation, a commitment you have to uh, creating moments, if you will, of uh, let's connect. And, and you'd said previously, well, that's where the healing starts to happen. Um, we put so much pressure on ourselves to uh, get it right. And it, it sounds like um, one of the things you've learned along the way is to just dare to create spaces for others to lean into that vulnerable place that, that you've found so much um, healing in. So it's a beautiful stories. Um, you came to church for like five years ish uh, regularly. Um, I still see you as part of our community. Um, and, and you've said to me that this sort of a spiritual awakening in your life um, that was a little bit about church and about connections you made and, and choices you leaned into. One of the things that led to was this amazing fundraiser that you spearheaded a couple of years back that uh, like so many people, I, I have ideas of, oh, I'm going to do this. It's a, a great plan, but it's that step between the idea and implementing it where so many of us get into the spin in our head of, oh, it can't be done. Can, like, just tell people about what you did and wh 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 why in the world you did that. <laughs> it was a well, beautiful success. Okay. I'm thinking of, um, of my spiritual growth and um, Shauna, you know, Shauna pushed on all my sore spots and she, she gave me a book by David Dieter called The Way of the Superior Man. And I think she wanted me to read it, you know, to up my game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, there's one thing that I, I, I like to think when I say I'm going to do something, I do it and hopefully I... I do. And if I don't do it, I always want people to call me on it. Anyway, I read that book. It was, let's say it's 20 chapters. 15 of them were garbage. I'm just going to tell you about one of them. I recommend that every man take, take a look at that book. Read the chapters on, on mission, the importance of having a mission that transcends everything. It's more important than your girlfriend or your wife. Take the pressure off her. She doesn't have to be perfect. She can just be herself. You've got your mission. You're yourself. Um, read it on. Read the one on mission and read the one on edge. I'm going to speak to the one on edge. So David Dieter said, the only way we can grow as humans as, as is to be on our edge. Forget the comfort zone. Let's do things that we're not certain about. We may, may not be good at. Um because that's where growth lies, growth in us, in us as a person. The more fulfilled I am as a human, the better I am going to be in relationship because I'm not going to expect something from Veronica. Mm. I hope I don't expect anything from her. You know, I do 
I would like her to tell me she loves me once once a week, you know, and we can go on there. But <laughs> so so I was conscious of being on my edge. So being on my edge is, you know, I know I have a mission. My mission uh, in life is to um, optimize care and improve outcomes for every British Columbian living with diabetes. And in my professional life, if anything I'm doing is inconsistent with my mission, then I better stop right away. Well, I realized that the most important thing in my professional life was getting a, a device, a, a transformative revolutionary device called continuous glucose meters for my clients. And it, it was around December and every December, all my patients bring in hampers and bottles of booze and chocolates. And, and the, honestly, it piles up so big breath, I have to take it home every day. Otherwise it's embarrassing. And I realized, I thought, you know, what I really want them is to write me checks so I can go out and buy these devices and give them away. And then in January, I had a patient who had mental illness, uh, who was always accompanied by his wife. And she said, Dr. Elliot, you know, I'd like to write you a check and please, you know, do with it whatever you want. And I went, holy smoke. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I, I know exactly what we're going to do with that. I can buy 10 freestyle Libres with that. And I phoned her up two days later and say, I've spent the money. I bought them. And the next week I'll give them away. Anyway, so I suddenly realized that I needed to tell people about it because people, there are lots of people with money out there who, who want to give it to worthy causes. So that's where the fundraiser went. I had a theme. We had a story. It was helping people. And, and, and this is a bit of a segue, Beth, but I have to say it in case you don't ask me about it. <laughs> but whenever, I'm, whenever I lose my way spiritually, mm -hmm. I think everybody who's listening to this knows what I'm talking about. So usually it's only for an hour, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's two days. But whenever I lose my way, I realize the way back is, is giving. And um, so I got goosebumps again. Hmm. And the other thing, Beth, that, that, I, um, that I learned <clears throat> is that thinking about others forget yourself think about everybody else if you're feeling sorry for yourself think about the, the beggar on the side of the road the you know the uh the isis freedom fighter you know everybody's suffering think about donald trump you know the guy's not happy his soul is not peaceful think about other people and and that works but you know during covid where you can't hug people I kind of thought that there's this piece of me that's missing. So I, I think it's helpful for people to hear and to remember how in the midst of that, you've got this natural gift to uh, dare to be vulnerable. Um, you've stepped into this calling to live on your, uh, you know, on the edge of what's comfortable and you lose your way. <laughs> it's that piece of, um, so much I find of what we name as spiritual uh, is this ideal that no one can live up to, which is frankly the downfall of religion too. Um, so 
it's encouraging, I think, for people to hear, oh, oh, like even people who offer tremendous gifts lose their way sometimes. And I, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, are there moments that you um, have felt broken, have lost your way? And, I, and not for the sake of um, just putting those on display, but a, a question about have you picked yourself up from the ruins? Have you known, you know, in, in God language, right? Have you known any resurrections from, is there, are there cracks in your life where the light has come in? That sort of thing. Well, oh, yes, and that's going to take another whole hour. So I'm just going to give you a quick summary of what of my awakening. So Dwayne O'Kane, who's my – I can't – a guru just means teacher in, in Sanskrit or something. And, Beth, you are – you're one of my gurus. Mm. Um, Dwayne ex, explained to me – everybody that goes to Clear Mind's anxious. And, of course, I went to Clear Mind not realising I was anxious. Anxiety is everywhere. Every, mm. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You get a chest pain, you get loose bowels, you get a pounding uh, heart, you you get headaches. It, you know, it's manifest in many ways. Um, and we all have ways of controlling that awful feeling. Um, that's what leads to addiction. I was addicted to being the world's best doctor. You know, I'm in the caring profession. I've got the opportunity to care. It's endless. It makes me feel good. People tell me it's good, but I might neglect other parts of my life. So, you know, my marriage, etc. I was addicted to conflict, um, being right. I'm smart. I'm highly educated. I'm right 99% of the time. What I learned, uh, and then there's other things that I'm not going to talk about today. But I did all sorts of things that I was unaware of that were taking away the pain of anxiety, the pain of my, you know, the part of me that I wasn't, my problem was I didn't think I was good enough. Um, anyway, Dwayne said, Tom, um, you've got to stop doing all those things. So I, I met Dwayne in a marriage counseling situation. So I got goosebumps again. My goosebumps is a very good sign that something good is happening. Mm. So I realized about um, workaholism. I realized about conflict in my marriage. I realized about the other things. And Dwayne said, guess what, Tom? You've got to stop doing all those things. Well, the moment I stopped doing them all, I had chest pain the whole time. And I went, oh, that's my anxiety. So then I had to heal the source of my anxiety, the wound that I wasn't good enough, et cetera. And that's clear mind is extremely good at that. They have a method and I recommend it to everybody. It, it is secular, um, but it's, it's based on the, um, the book of miracles, um, which is, you know, Christian, Judaic, Judeo Christian. It's, it's, it's all the same stuff. It's, 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 it's where you live, Beth. I know. <laughs> so anyway, that, uh, that answer the question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're good enough that <laughs> you answered the question. Um, I want to go back to what you started with of, I don't believe in a higher power, but I believe in a spirit or a soul. Um, I'm curious about what that is for you. And, and not. I'm not looking for a debate on whether there's a higher power or not, but how do you experience that? How do you know there's a sense of, of, 
soul, uh, something that you name as spirit. What what is that? And explain it to me in scientific terms too, if you can, doctor. Well, well, I can't. I can't explain it in scientific <laughs> terms. And you know, at, at Clearmind, they talk about the friendly universe. The friendly universe could be pitched as simply as the power of positive thinking, of optimism. But, and then there's another concept that I, I forget where I got it, but Veronica loves it. It's called the mirror, the mirror hypothesis or, or the mirror phenomenon that people respond to us based on what they see, hear and think about us. Mm. If I'm imbued with kindness, generosity, think of all the virtues that any of us would want. I, then I got goosebumps again. That it it means that I am embracing the friendly universe. We all know, you know, random acts of kindness, like shockingly good things happen, and and we shake our heads and we go, you know. To me, that's just a manifestation of the friendly universe. Everybody has it within them. So, yeah. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is just a new thing for me. Hmm. I don't know if you're going to ask me about my spiritual practice, Beth, but, hmm. but part of it is getting into a state where I feel connected to oneness, the power of the universe, to the friendly universe. And when I'm in that state, I, I know I'm a power of good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's my job to stay that way. Okay, so uh, <laughs> can I do a segue? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've, um, in my professional life, I came across um, another guru who lives in, I've never met him. He lives in New Jersey. His name is Diraj, modified by this and that, and thinking of family and my connection circle and, and Diraj said, okay, well, I want you to start with deep breathing in and out. And during the inhalation, I want you to say, I am my sacred soul. And during the expiration, say, not my body and not my mind. So, you know, the Hindus mm-hmm. believe in the sacred soul. It's immortal, just like Christians do. And I think everybody does, don't they, Beth, all the religions? Yeah, in some sense, yeah. We have different words, right? Same thing, yeah. yeah. And then I'm not my body is a way of reminding me that when I get sick or I die, mm-hmm. it's not all over. When I do a bad thing, when I hurt somebody, the, the Hindus get reincarnated. Mm-hmm. If, if, they, if they have a life of bad deeds, they're going to be reincarnated as, a, you know, as an ant or a lizard or something. And they get they get forgiven through reincarnation, um, and I'm not my mind. Is uh, a reminder of of uh, evil thoughts, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, I, I my sacred soul. Um, in clear mind, they'd call it the, your authentic self or your solid self. Mm-hmm. The bit of you you know that's good. It's immutable. It's 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 perfect. It's like when you were born. Yep. Anyway, so I've, I've done that. And now I actually believe it. I actually believe that I am my sacred soul, not my body, not my mind. My body still kind of works. I don't do that many mean things anymore. I still have 
nasty thoughts. There's a guy called D. Patrick Miller, who I want you to have. I, I asked you if you'd bring him into Canadian Memorial. He, he has lots of good things to teach. And he talks about um, got a little book of forgiveness. And he makes the point that you only need to forgive if you judge. So if you withhold judgment, you don't even need to forgive. Nothing to forgive. Hmm. Because if someone, other, someone else has got a sacred soul and they do something that hurts you or your child or your business, they got a sacred soul. Mm -hmm. And um, your job is not to judge. Pick up the pieces. Invoke the friendly universe. You know, I, I've never had really anything mean done to me. I, 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 sometimes I kind of wish I had a test. Um, but anyway, that's a wonderful thought. Anyway, Duraj told me one other thing. Yeah. After I kind of got the hang handle of the, um, you know, I'm, I'm a sacred soul, not my body or my mind. He said, now I want you to observe yourself separately. Mm. I want you as your soul to observe your body and your mind. And I only got that yesterday. I in my <laughs> only got it, got it. Yeah, I only yeah. got it. So you know. I'm just ma imagining it right now. It's the weirdest thing. But that's what he does every day. And, and goodness knows what the third lesson from Diraj is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have um, a name for that that I hear in Christian circles of your true self. Um, and it's what I talk about in that I love the word beloved, right? Like it's all of us, uh, our, our essence is um, just pure beauty uh we come into the world uh in that way and that's the the piece we keep trying to touch into again and reconnect with and live from um i i did want to ask you before we um before we finish off um about a big word but I, uh, about shame because i and, and just how do you deal with shame i have um there are things that I have been ashamed about for sure. <laughs> Lots of things. I'm not ashamed of them anymore. How did I get through it? Well, time heals a lot of things. <laughs> we all know that. So let's just credit time. Yeah. Getting used to it. Um, but I think forgiving myself and then not judging myself. It gets back to that. Those are, those are theoretical constructs, I guess, I have to actually accept it to believe it. Mm -hmm. I still can't, I still can't heal the hurt that Gwen has for things that, you know, for my being a, an imperfect husband and, and my second wife, Leslie. Um, I can't make them forgive me, but I can manifest the friendly universe and um, that's what I can do. I, I, one, one, um, another little pearl that's helped me in my spiritual mm -hmm. journey is a, it's a 10 minute YouTube video on um, children's seven, if you Google seven chakras for children, it's, it's this cartoon of a, yeah. a children's show that, that Veronica's kids watch. And it talks about the seven chakras and what they're all 
what each one of them does. Mm -hmm. And I find it, I, one, part, one of my meditations looks at the seven chakras. The base chakra is, is important for survival. And, and so when I do it, I, I give thanks for food, shelter, um, warmth, money. Um, and what blocks the first chakra is fear. Mm. So to get over fear, you you have to have food and shelter and all this sort of kind of stuff. So I have enough of all those things. So fear is not an issue most of the time. Occasionally, mm -hmm. I have fear. <laughs> I fear in the business world sometimes. Mm. Uh, the second chakra is about creativity um, and it's blocked by guilt. You can't be creative and enjoy things if you feel guilty about things. So I give thanks I remind myself about my children, the, 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 you know, the fruits of my loins and Gwen's and my uh, loins. And I, I think about pleasure, all the things that are pleasurable in life. And I think about creativity. And then the third chakra is, 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 my, is my natural. Everybody has their own natural force, which is their personality, the embodiment of, of, of our personality and good things. Yeah. It's blocked by shame. Um, and then there's the fourth chakra is the heart and it's, it's, it's the loving part. It's blocked by grief. If we're grieving it, we can't be loving. In the absence of hugging, giving, giving of my time, of my wallet, or something, of my advice, it, that, that unblocks that chakra. The fifth chakra is the throat chakra, the truth chakra. It gets blocked by lies. Lies about myself. The sixth chakra is insight. Mm -hmm. It gets blocked by separation from oneness. It, it gets it gets enhanced by connection. And the, and the seventh chakra is is the power of the universe. It gets blocked by attachment mm. to wealth, beauty, wisdom, strength, power. You name it. <laughs> anyway, so how do I get rid of shame? I just remind myself of of the force that lies within me that's that's me mm -hmm. needing to be on my edge to do good things i want to ask you let's imagine we're in the log house around the table um what what was your best thing this week what what are you most grateful for <laughs> well you know my best thing is is right. My best time is right now. I mean, this is a cliche. Yeah. But yeah. Doing this thing with you today is my best thing, Beth, um, because it, it's it's a spiritual, it's a it's a mindful exercise of my spiritual life, mm -hmm. and a reminder of all the things that I need to do and keep on top of. Um. That's my best thing. Is there anything else you wanted to say that I didn't ask you? I know you had an agenda, but. <laughs> yeah, you, you did kind of when we when you emailed me and said, Tom, will you be on my podcast? Mm -hmm. And then we talked briefly. You, you, you said, you know, you'd like to know about my spiritual practice. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about it in bits and pieces. And what I want for everybody in. I want everybody to have a spiritual practice, a routine. And um, some wise person said that 
doing the right thing. Oh, a virtue, you know, vir virtue is kind of cliche and it's ooh, yikes, virtue. Mm -hmm. But let's think of virtue as being a manifestation of the friendly universe, as long as it's not righteous virtue. Some, I think Aristotle or someone said, um, a ha good deeds that become habits, a virtue is, is, is the practicing of good deeds until they become a habit. Right. So I recommend a daily, well, a spiritual practice that, that, that's routine, that's a habit. I start with push-ups every morning, Beth. I can't have my coffee till I do my push-ups. And then the I, next thing... Wait, how many push-ups? Not as many as I used to be able to do. <laughs> as many as I can do to mm -hmm. my back pain. I started it to fix my back pain. It fixed my back pain. Then it became, you know, we, as physicians, we know that being physically strong is, is, helps us as we get older. Um, then, I, then I started doing... Um, headspace meditation mm -hmm. and then I started doing Diraj's modification mm -hmm. oh then I, we did this gratitude journal that, that Veronica brought into my life it's a once a day thing where you record all the things you're grateful for all the things that would be good if they happened today um, a, a declaration or an affirmation that you know I am you know, mm -hmm. manifestation of the friendly universe, daily manifestation. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, amazing things that happened today. And then finally, things that I could have done better. So that's part of my daily routine. So I, I, I start with my push-ups, some other weights, my meditation with all that stuff. Uh I'm grateful for your light in the world um, and, and just um, that piece of you, Tom, that I, I think you are a, a quintessential learner. Uh, you are so hungry, um, like a sponge, right? You just want to learn more. You want to grow. And uh, I think that in itself can be an inspiration for, for all of us. Show up. Show up to this day and this moment. <laughs>